0: chapter twelve of the daughter of the commandant by alexander pushkin translated by mrs milne home this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kevin davidson the orphan the kibitka stopped before the door of the commandant's house the inhabitants had recognized the little bell of Pugachev's team and had assembled in a crowd shabrin came to meet the usurper he was dressed as a Cossack and had allowed his beard to grow. The trader helped Pugachev to get out of the carriage, expressing by obsequious words his zeal and joy. Seeing me, he became uneasy, but soon recovered himself. You are one of us, he said. It should have been long ago. I turned away my head without answering him. My heart failed me when we entered the little room I knew so well where could be seen on the wall the commission of the late deceased commandant as a sad memorial. Pugachev sat down on the same sofa where oft-times Ivan Kuzmich had dozed to the sound of his wife's scolding. Shvabrin himself brought brandy to his chief. Pugachev drank a glass of it and said to him, pointing to me, Offer one to his lordship. Shvabrin approached me with his tray. I turned away my head for the second time. He seemed beside himself. With his usual sharpness, he had doubtless guessed that Pugachev was not pleased with me. He regarded him with alarm, and me with mistrust. Pugachev asked him some questions on the condition of the fort, on what was said concerning the Tsarina's troops and other similar subjects. Then suddenly, in an unexpected manner, Tell me, brother, asked he, who is this young girl you are keeping under watch and ward? Show me her. "'Svabrin became pale as death. "'Tsar,' he said in a trembling voice, "'Tsar, she is not under restraint. "'She is in bed in her room.' "'Take me to her,' said the usurper, rising. "'It was impossible to hesitate. "'Svabrin led Pugachev to Maria Ivanovna's room. "'I followed them. "'Svabrin stopped on the stairs. "'Tsar,' he said, "'you can constrain me to do as you list, "'but do not permit a stranger to enter my wife's room.' "'You are married?' cried I, ready to tear him to pieces. "'Hush!' interrupted Pugachev. "'It is my concern. "'And you,' continued he, turning towards Schwabrin, "'do not swagger, whether she be your wife or no. "'I take whomsoever I please to see her. "'Your lordship, follow me.' At the door of the room, Shvabrin again stopped and said in a broken voice, "'Tzar, I warn you, she is feverish, and for three days she has been delirious.' "'Open,' said Pugachev. Shvabrin began to fumble in his pockets, and ended by declaring that he had forgotten the key. Pugachev gave a push to the door with his foot. The lock gave way. The door opened, and we went in. I cast a rapid glance round the room and nearly fainted. Upon the floor, in a coarse peasant's dress, sat Maria, pale and thin, with her hair unbound. Before her stood a jug of water and a bit of bread. At the sight of me she trembled and gave a piercing cry. I cannot say what I felt. Pugachev looked sidelong at Shabrin, and said to him with a bitter smile, Your hospital is well ordered. Then approaching Maria, Tell me, my little dove, why your husband punishes you thus. My husband rejoined her. He is not my husband. Never will I be his wife. I am resolved rather to die, and I shall die if I be not delivered. Pugachev cast a furious glance upon Shvabrin. "'You dare deceive me?' cried he. "'Do you know, villain, what you deserve?' Shvabrin dropped on his knees. Then contempt overpowered in me all feelings of hatred and revenge. I looked with disgust upon a gentleman at the feet of a Cossack deserter. Pugachev allowed himself to be moved. "'I pardon you this time,' he said to Shvabrin. "'But next offence I will remember this one.' Then addressing Maria, he said to her gently, Come out, pretty one. I give you your liberty. I am the Tsar. Maria Ivanovna threw a quick look at him, and divined that the murderer of her parents was before her eyes. She covered her face with her hands and fell unconscious. I was rushing to help her when my old acquaintance, Polashka, came very boldly into the room and took charge of her mistress. Pugachev withdrew, and we all three returned to the parlor. "'Well, your lordship,' Pugachev said to me, laughing, "'we have delivered the pretty girl. What do you say to it? "'Ought we not to send for the Pope and get him to marry his niece? "'If you like, I will be your marriage godfather, Shvabrin, best man. "'Then we will set to and drink with closed doors.' "'What I feared came to pass. "'No sooner had he heard Pugachev's proposal than Shvabrin lost his head. Tsar, he said furiously, I am guilty. I have lied to you, but Grignev also deceives you. This young girl is not the Pope's niece. She is the daughter of Ivan Mironov, who was executed when the fort was taken. Pugachev turned his flashing eyes on me. "'What does all this mean?' cried he, with indignant surprise. But I made to answer boldly. "'Shrabrin has told you the truth.' "'You had not told me that,' rejoined Pugachev, whose brow had suddenly darkened. "'But judge yourself,' replied I. Could I declare before all your people that she was Moronov's daughter? They would have torn her in pieces. Nothing could have saved her. Well, you are right, said Bukachev. My drunkards would not have spared the poor girl. My gossip, the Pope's wife, did right to deceive them. Listen, I resumed seeing how well disposed he was towards me. I do not know what to call you, nor do I seek to know, but God knows I stand ready to give my life for what you have done for me. Only do not ask of me anything opposed to my honor and my conscience as a Christian. You are my benefactor. and as you have begun. Let me go with the poor orphan whither God shall direct, and whatever befall, and, and wherever you be, we will pray God every day that he watch over the safety of your soul. I seem to have touched Pugachev's fierce heart. Be it even as you wish, said he. Either entirely punish or entirely pardon. That is my motto. Take your pretty one, take her away wherever you like, and may God grant you love and wisdom. He turned toward Schwabrin, and bid him write me a safe conduct pass for all the gates and forts under his command. Schwabrin remained still and as if petrified. Pugachev went to inspect the fort, Schwabrin followed him, and I stayed behind under the pretext of packing up. I ran to Maria's room. The door was shut. I knocked. "'Who is there?' asked Polashka. I gave my name. Maria's gentle voice was then heard through the door. "'Wait, Pyotr Andreyitch," said she. "'I am changing my dress. Go to Akulina Pamfilovna's. I shall be there in a minute.' I obeyed and went to Father Garasim's house. The Pope and his wife hastened to meet me. Savilevich had already told them all that had happened." good day pyotr andreitch the pope's wife said to me here has god so ruled that we meet again how are you we have talked about you every day and marya ivanovna what has she not suffered anent you my pigeon but tell me my father how did you get out of the difficulty with Pugachev? how was it that he did not kill you well for that thanks be to the villain There, hush old woman interrupted father garasim don't gossip about all you know too much talk no salvation come in pyotr andreitch and welcome it is long since we have seen each other the pope's wife did me honor with everything she had at hand without ceasing a moment to talk she told me how schwabrin had obliged them to deliver up marya ivanovna to him how the poor girl cried and would not be parted from them how she had continual intercourse with them through the medium of Palashka, a resolute, sharp girl, who made the Yuriadnik himself dance, as they say, to the sound of her flagellate, how she had counseled Mara Ivanovna to write me a letter, etc. As for me, in a few words I told my story. The Pope and his wife crossed themselves when they heard that Pugachev was aware they had deceived him. May the power of the cross be with us, Akulina Pamfilovna said. May God turn aside this cloud. Very well, Alexei Ivanitch. "'We shall see. All oh, the sly fox.' At this moment the door opened and Marya Ivanovna appeared with a smile on her pale face. She had changed her peasant dress, and she was dressed as usual, simply and suitably. I seized her hand and could not for a while say a single word. We were both silent. Our hearts were too full. Our hosts felt that we had other things to do than talk to them. They left us. We remained alone. Maria told me all that had befallen her since the taking of the fort painted me the horrors of her position all the torment the infamous schwabrin had made her suffer we recalled to each other the happy past both of us shedding tears the while at last i could tell her my plans it was impossible for her to stay in a fort which had submitted to Pugachev, and where schwabrin was in command neither could i dream of taking refuge with her in orenburg where at this juncture all the miseries of a siege were being undergone. Maria had no longer a single relation in the world. Therefore I proposed to her that she should go to my parents' country house. She was very much surprised at such a proposal. The displeasure my father had shown on her account frightened her. But I soothed her. I knew my father would deem it a duty and an honor to shelter in his house the daughter of a veteran who had died for his country. Dear Maria," I said at last, I look upon you as my wife. These strange events have irrevocably united us. Nothing in the world can part us any more." Maria heard me in dignified silence, without misplaced affection. She felt, as I did, that her destiny was irrevocably linked with mine. Still she repeated that she would only be my wife with my parents' consent. I had nothing to answer. We fell in each other's arms, and my project became our mutual decision. An hour afterwards the Uryadnik brought me my safe-conduct pass, with the scrawl which did duty as Pugachev's signature, and told me the Tsar awaited me in his house. I found him ready to start. How express what I felt in the presence of this man, awful and cruel for all, myself only excepted. And why not tell the whole truth? At this moment I felt a strong sympathy with him. I wished earnestly to draw him from the band of robbers of which he was the chief and save his head, ere it should be too late. The presence of Shvabrin and of the crowd around us prevented me from expressing to him all the feelings which filled my heart. We parted friends. Pugachev saw in the crowd Akulina Panfilovna, and amicably threatened her with his finger, with a meaning wink, Then he seated himself in his kibitka, and gave the word to return to Beerd. When the horses started, he leaned out of his carriage and shouted to me, "'Farewell, your lordship. It may be we shall yet meet again.' We did, indeed, see one another once again. But under what circumstances? Pugachev was gone. I long watched the step over which his kibitka was rapidly gliding. The crowd dwindled away. Shrabrin disappeared. I went back to the Pope's house, where all was being made ready for our departure. Our little luggage had been put in the old vehicle of the Commandant. In a moment the horses were harnessed. Maria went to bid a last farewell to the tomb of her parents, buried behind the church. I wished to escort her there, but she begged me to let her go alone, and soon came back, weeping quiet tears. Father Gasim and his wife came to the door to see us off. We took our seats, three abreast, inside the Kibitka, and Savielich again perched in front. Goodbye, bye Maria Ivanovna, our dear dove. Goodbye, Pyotr Andreevich, our gay goshawk,' the Pope's wife cried to us. "'A lucky journey to you, and may God give you abundant happiness.' We started. At the Commandant's window I saw Schwabrin standing with a face of dark hatred. I did not wish to triumph meanly over a humbled enemy. And looked away from him. At last we passed the principal gate and forever left Fort Belagorsk. End of chapter twelve. Recording by Kevin Davidson. www.blogordie.com